Everybody ready for some Bible? So we started last week. I thought Travis did uh, just an incredible job. I say this with all my heart. I love listening to Travis Lowe preach. I'm so grateful that he's a part of our team. And he did a great job opening the Ten Commandments for us. Uh, Here in Exodus 20, things kind of pivot from the story that we've been talking about in Israel's uh, existence. They've been emancipated from slavery. They've traveled across the Red Sea. They've been wandering around the Sinai Peninsula for a while. uh, And they've ended up at this place called Mount Sinai. Originally, it was called Mount Horeb. Uh, God told Moses, we'll meet back here. And that's exactly where they meet. Uh, now that uh, Israel is free, and uh, he's about to, uh, in the next 12 chapters, give to Moses the law that will become known as the Mosaic Law. Not in its entirety, it'll, it'll be developed over the uh, rest of the books of the Pentateuch, the first five books of your Bible, but uh, there's a great summary of the law there in those 12 chapters, from chapter 20 to chapter 32. The story picks up after that, we get to hear about, you know, Moses uh, breaking the tablets and the golden calf, we'll get to that later, but... Uh, but for 12 chapters, it's just pretty much, here's the rules, here's the laws, here's the mandates from God. And they start with these first 10. Uh, these 10 words or commands are kind of a summation of what God hopes for us in, in our lives with him and with each other. In fact, when Jesus was asked in his life, hey, what's the greatest commandment? Remember what he said? He didn't go to Exodus 20. He didn't give one of the 10 commandments. He went to Deuteronomy 6 and he said, well, you're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then you're going to love others as you love yourselves. And he says, every other commandment fits into those two. And if you read the 10 commandments, you'll see that the 10 commandments indeed fit into those two things. Travis kind of messed up our numbers last week. Was anybody here for that? He, uh, he, he took, uh, and I, I don't blame him, I think you can do this, he, he took a more Catholic approach or, or interpretive approach to the Ten Commandments, and instead of seeing it as, uh, you know, have no other gods before me, and uh, the second one being no graven images and no idols, he just kind of lumped those two together. So for the rest of this series now, I've got to do this. Whether, <laughs> whether, no, I'm, I'm fine with it. Whether you see the first four commandments or the first three commandments as being directed towards the loving and honoring of God... Uh, and then the, the next six or seven commandments be being directed towards the, the loving and honoring of others. That's how the Ten Commandments roll. The first bunch, hey, make sure God and, and you and he are right. And then the next bunch, hey, make sure you and the people in your life are right. Starting with the family, honor your father and mother, and then going into the, the, the four don'ts, five don'ts. Uh, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, and don't covet. Whether Okay, so, so does everybody get that? That's basically how the, the Ten Commandments set up. Um, again, I thought Travis did a great job reminding us of the importance of having no other gods, nothing else to worship in our lives except the one true God. I love what he said about um, uh, not taking the Lord's name in vain. Uh, if you weren't here, uh, when we've read that commandment in the past, most of us have just gone straight to cuss words and said, you know, don't, don't take the Lord's name in vain in a cuss way. And can I, can I just uh, affirm that? Let me just affirm that. I know it's, it's more than that, and I'm going to get to what Travis uh, taught us last week, but, uh, but, but let me affirm. Let's be careful with the name of God. Does everybody understand that the Jews would not even utter the name of God in case they did it in a vain way? Like they would just spell Yahweh. They never said that word. They took this commandment very seriously. And, and we as a culture... Um, have kind of taken the name of God, his son Jesus, we've made them cuss words, they were, they're what we say loudly when we hit our thumbs with hammers, um, uh, we say them when we're surprised, oh my God, I can't even do it, it just feels horrible coming out of me. If you're someone who says God's name like that, stop, find something else, there's, there's like an infinity other words, just find another word. 
Don't bring God into your surprise or your OMGs or whatever. Just, just stop it. Find something else. Let's leave God to be God. Shall we do that? All right, so there, that's my little... But, it, but as, as Travis said, it's so much more than that. It's not just, you know, taking the Lord's literal name in vain with verbal uh, ways. It, 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 it goes beyond that. It, it, the, the actual Hebrew word is to, to not bear the Lord's name in vain. Now, does everybody get this? As Christians, uh, we are Christ carriers. That's what Christian means. We are the bearers of the person of Christ. Not just his followers. He's in us. We're in him. And everywhere we go, we represent him. And so uh, Yahweh, the Lord God, the Father God, said to Israel, hey man, bear my name well. Don't get sloppy with me in my name. Represent me in this world. I, I promised your forefather Abraham that I would bring a solution for every nation through you. Take it seriously. And, and the same it goes to us who are following Christ. We're Christians. Let's bear the name of the Son of God well. Love it. If you didn't see that, please, I, I don't tell you to go back and watch all of our sermons. Go back and watch last week if you didn't get a chance to. Now, let me go on. Because the next commandment is the one that we're talking about today, the Sabbath. Let's read about it together. You don't have to stand up. Uh, and, uh, but, but I would love for everybody to read these three verses, four verses, four verses with me. Here we go. Everybody ready? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. That's a lot of people. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. May God bless the reading of his word. Sabbath. Uh, if you're sitting in this room or hanging out with me online, you're already in some form keeping the Sabbath. Now, I'm not here to litigate which day the Sabbath is. I would say that in the modern church, um, us taking the first day of the week, the Lord's day, uh, the day that we celebrate and remember the resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ, Sunday, as our Sabbath is fine. Others would disagree with me. We should stick with the Saturday, which is the original Sabbath. I'm not here to litigate that. Whatever. <laughs> but I do want to talk about the principles that we have in this Sabbath command. Because the exercise of, of this command has, has varied greatly over the ages that it's been issued. Let me just say this first of all. This command, probably more than the other nine uh, that we have in our Ten Commandments, the Big Ten, the, the Ten Words, whatever you want to call it, uh, is, is probably the oldest. It predates all of the other ones because all of the other ones came as a result of sin. Like when sin came into the world, we had to tell people, don't kill each other. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't cheat on your spouse. Th those are all things that controvert the sins that have come into the world. But, but remembering the Sabbath is pre-sin. It's Genesis chapter 2. God created in six days. He's quoting it right here in Exodus 20. God created in six days and on the seventh day he rested. This is an eternal pattern, an eternal rhythm. Or, or As long as creation has been around, it's, it's the rhythm that has been meant to be observed by those that God has created. I mean, Sabbath was even talked about earlier in the book of Exodus. Anybody remember Exodus 16? It's where the manna starts coming down from heaven, right? They don't have any food, and so God starts sending bread from heaven. Do you remember the rules that he mandated? Don't keep it overnight. It's not going to keep. 
Doesn't matter what Tupperware you have, it's not gonna work. Okay, it's gonna be rotten in the morning. And then on Friday, go out there and collect twice as much. Because on Saturday, on the Sabbath day, no bread's gonna fall from heaven. On the Sabbath day, uh, everything is gonna get shut down. There'll be no work, no gathering. And so this Sabbath day uh, has already been in place. That's why he says, remember the Sabbath day. It's not something he has to invoke. It's like, this has already been the way that it's been. Just remember it. But this, like I said, this commandment has been observed or adhered to in different ways with different consequences if you failed. Go forward in the story just a little bit, like Exodus 31. You know what it says in Exodus 31? If you fail to keep the Sabbath, this is Exodus 31, verse 14. If you fail to keep the Sabbath, you shall be put to death. If you work on the seventh day, you should, twice, two verses, 14 and 15, you're a dead man. And some of you are like, wow, that seems so extreme. Obviously, it never happened. Oh, it did. Read forward to Numbers 15. We don't have his name, but this Jewish guy decides, you know what, the Sabbath law doesn't you know, uh, you know, uh, pertain to me. And so he went out and he collected wood in Numbers 15, verses 32 through 36. And he was found out, brought before the elders of Israel. They prayed. God said, yep, take him outside the camp and throw rocks at him until he's dead. Anybody grateful to not be living under the old covenant? Anybody grateful for that? I've missed a couple Sundays, right? Uh, I would argue with you right now, I'm working. I've been at work since 5.30 this morning so that I could get up here and yell at you guys like this, right? Um, that is uh, the extreme that we see as evidenced in our scriptures. But, but um, things have changed since Jesus came. He didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. it tells us that in Matthew 5. He's, he did a lot of, you heard it said, but I say to you. He, he basically rearranged our thinkings on the law. Uh, but, but still, even in the time of Jesus, um, uh, there was a, a man, a, a, a legalistic adherence to this command. To the point where Jesus had to kind of reshape people's thinking off, on, on several occasions. Uh, one time he was out walking with his disciples and his disciples just walked through a grain field and grabbed some, um, some buds off the grain stalks, little, little granola, you know, little, little snack, little nosh. And, uh, and some Pharisees saw him and they're like, oh, whoa, 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 you can't do that. You can't work on the Sabbath. And in this situation and in three or four other situations in the gospel, Jesus says, hey, fellas, you, you haven't understood the Sabbath since it was given to you. In fact, a lot of the commands, there's a spirit to them that we're meant to keep, but you've made them about legalism. You've made them about, you know, um, clearing the bar or missing. And because you've done that, I've got to help you understand that the Sabbath was not um, given to man so that man could obey the Sabbath. The Sabbath was given to man so that man could benefit from the Sabbath, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. I grew up in a church that was more pharisaical, I would say, about the Sabbath. Um, when I was nine, I had to put on a three-piece suit and really uncomfortable shoes and go to church on Sundays. Did not look forward to the Sabbath. I knew I was going to be uncomfortable. Uh, once Sunday school was over, which was kind of fun, I knew I was going to be bored. Uh, I would sit as a nine-year-old. Some of you might be sitting here. If I'm boring you, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> But I would, I would sit in, in, in my church and I'd get so bored that I'd actually uh, uh, be allowed by my mom to walk forward. My dad was a music pastor. He'd play the organ in the churches and he would pull off the organ bench and sit down in the front row. I'd walk to the front and I'd just lay my head on his lap. 
I'd count the pine knots in the ceiling uh, in the pine boards and, and fall asleep. That was most of my church experience. I got, to, I got to high school and I found a new way to make it through a Sunday. I became the sound man. And the sound booth in my church had this um, three-channel tube amp for three microphones on the stage, the choir, the soloist, and the preacher. And so <laughs> three times during the service, I would turn up the choir and down everybody else. I'd turn up the soloist and down everybody else. I'd turn up the preacher and down everybody else. But what that won me was the right to sit in this room where it was you know, uh, soundproofed, and I could turn down the speakers from the actual room as to what was going on there and turn up the AM radio that some brilliant teenager before me had installed in the sound booth, <laughs> and I could listen to Casey Kasem's Top 40. It was, it was boss, I'm telling you. And that's why to this day, I can sing all of the songs of the 1980s and quote so few verses. That's why. <laughs> Maybe that's some of your attitudes. You got up this morning like, oh, it's Sunday. I mean, am I going to watch the stream or not? No, no, no. Am I going to go to the room or not? Probably should. You've probably had this more legalistic, I got to instead of I get to attitude towards the Sabbath. I want to help you with that today. Because I want to remind you that every rule that God gives us is for our benefit so that we might flourish. Remember last week, uh, Travis talked about the fences. God gives us fences so that we can stay out of sin, stay in a position to honor him and glorify him best and receive from him the best that he wants to give us. He's our maker, our designer. He probably, not probably, definitely knows what's best for us. And so when he gives rules, they're, they're for three reasons, to provide for us, to protect us, and to fashion us into his image, to make us more like him. They shouldn't be, you know, things of dread, Got-tos or get-tos. And so, I'm going to talk to you about that. But here, here, here's, here's maybe a danger for some of us as we've kind of progressed. Uh, we're certainly not worried about keeping the Pharisaical side, the, the legalistic side of the Pharisee. We're free. We've read verses like this one that Paul wrote in, uh, in Colossians chapter 2. He says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to festival or a new moon, new moon or a what? A Sabbath. He says, because uh, those are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. And so we have this truth in our covenant with Christ, this new covenant that comes with his body broken and his blood shed, that, that the things of the old covenant, the things of the Old Testament, of the Mosaic law, those were like shadows. They were, you know, uh, forerunners of the things that we have now in Christ. And so we've, we don't do this. Is anybody grateful that we don't have to give sacrifices every, we come to, every time we come to church? Because that's just gross. That's just weird. And, and, and is everybody grateful that you don't have to, like, wash nine times, you know, before you come into the church? room, although in COVID, I guess you kind of do. Anyway, uh, um, but, but all of those rules have been set aside because they were a part of this covenant that was a foreshadowing of the thing that we have in Christ. But here's what's happened in a lot of people's minds. They're like, well, we'll just throw out everything. And the Sabbath goes with it. And I, don't, I, I just don't see that in our scripture. Uh, Jesus, it was his habit, it tells us, as he was walking into the synagogue in his hometown, it was his habit to be in the synagogue on the Sabbath. He made Sabbath keeping a, a matter of commitment. And, and we should too. We just have to understand what it is and avoid the things that it is not. So uh, let's talk about that today. The Sabbath is for our flourishing. 
And that story I shared with you about the grain that the disciples picked, this is what Jesus says to, to kind of close out. He says, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. It's for our good that we keep the Sabbath. He also intoned this. He said, so the son of man, which is what he called himself, uh, is Lord even of the Sabbath. I, I'm the determiner of how this goes. So let's read those verses in Exodus 20 again, and, and let's see the principles that kind of bubble up that are for all times, not just back in the old covenant, but here in the new covenant. These are the principles that we need to live by as God provides us Sabbath rest. I would, I would say it to you this way. If I, get, I don't have a lot of blanks to, you know, a lot of slides to show you today. This is the big one. Remember to rest and reset your worship on the Sabbath day. The, the, the Sabbath day was given to us to rest and reset, to rest and recalibrate, to rest and refocus ourselves on the God that deserves our worship alone. Let's just walk through the verse or the, that verse there and the words that are in it. Define, oh, I'm reading my actual line here. Define, remember. Let me do that for you. The word remember is the Hebrew word zakor. Everybody say zakor. Zakor is this Hebrew word that basically says recall. And I've already told you, this, this rule's been in place since creation. This rhythm has been the pattern that God wants us to follow since he made stuff, right? And so remember is just remembering what's already been, recall it, bring it to mind. But zakor also means not just mentally remembering, it, it means physically or materially or expressively observing what the significance of this remembrance is. We, we understand that. We've got calendars full of observances. Like on July 4th, we celebrate uh, the independence of our country. Did I get that right? Independence Day? I think I did. And so what do we do? We blow stuff up, like lots of it, right? And, 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 and then we uh, eat too much at cookouts and, and we put flags in our front yards because it's all about that. It's, those are our observances as we remember the day that we won our independence. I mean, I, I could just, we could go through all of them. Thanksgiving, we're going to get together in a few weeks and we're going to eat way too much and tell each other what we're thankful for and, and that's how we're going to remember that day. We're going to go forward to Christmas and we're going to give each other, most of us give each other gifts and remember the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ. Those are all great things. You're going to have a birthday this year. Is everybody grateful? Hopefully this is you. Everybody grateful that you're in a family where people will actually remember your birthday and do something about it? Husbands, look at me. Little tip here. Good on you if you can remember the day of your anniversary. That's step one, right? If you can remember your anniversary, you're halfway done. I mean, 98% done. The rest of it is just do something about it. How lame are you as a husband if you remember your anniversary and don't do anything to commemorate it with your wife, to honor her on the day that you celebrate your wedding? It's going to be a cold night that night. That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> So it is that weekly we have this remembrance, this recall and this observation, this celebration of our God. He says, remember the Sabbath day. Everybody say Shabbat. That's the actual Hebrew word for Sabbath. Shabbat is this word that means ceasing or stopping or pausing. So that's that, those words there, it's Zakor Shabbat Yom. Yom's day. Remember the Sabbath day. Remember to pause on a specific day. Why? So that you can keep it holy. It's a Hebrew word that I don't even want to try to pronounce. But the word for keeping it holy basically means to, to make it sacred, to set it apart. As it goes on in verse 10 to tell us, we are to keep it holy, to dedicate this Sabbath day to the Lord our God. But intoned in this commandment is this understanding of two things. God wants us to rest and God wants us to reset 
And some of you are like, wait a minute, Mark, aren't we supposed to rest on all the days? Aren't we supposed to focus on God with all of our days? Absolutely. In fact, let me tell you, if you think being a Christian is just Sunday, which is what I get told all the time, you only work on Sundays. What do you do with the rest of the week? <laughs> I come here to work on those days too. But, uh, but, but if we just make our faith a Sunday thing, we, we've totally missed the boat. So, so don't hear me say that we just dedicate the Sabbath to our Lord. We dedicate every day to the Lord. Does everybody get that? He gets it all. Every day, every bit of us, it's all his. But there is something unique, a special something about this one day uh, that is meant to kind of reset our clocks, reset us in life uh, so that we are rested, restored, and refocused on the things that matter most. You say to me, why do we need rest? Perhaps you've never been tired. Are you kidding me? Why do we need rest? We wear out. And when we're wear out, when we get weary, here's what happens. Weary, weariness brings uh, an end to weariness. Weariness erodes our weariness. Have you noticed this? If you get tired, you're more apt to be angry, uh, snap quickly, make poor decisions. And so it's crucial that we breathe and in rhythm with how God has made us, we pause so that we can restore ourselves physically, mentally, and spiritually, and emotionally. I was uh, uh, 21, just about to be married, uh, and, uh, uh, at Christmas that year, uh, 1991, because I got married in 92. Uh, one of my buddies from college decided life wasn't worth living anymore. He ended his life. It was terrible. Uh, if anybody's ever walked through uh, the, the, the end of someone's life like that, it's just it, it emotionally, just it wrecks you. So my friends and I drove out together from Chicago. We all landed there, and one of my buddies rented a van from the airport, and 10 of my friends got in that van. Four of us drove behind them in a car. We went through all the funeral, uh, the, the, you know, the emotional wreckage that that was, and then had this brilliant idea right after the funeral was over. You know, we got to get to work on Monday. Why don't we just drive through the night? And so we started driving on Saturday night to be able to get back on Sunday and go to work on Monday, except we didn't make it. Because somewhere in Iowa, as the snow fell through the night, around 2.30 in the morning, the van that I was not in, I was in the car behind, uh, started fishtailing. Because the dude behind the wheel, the one who had rented the van and wouldn't let anybody else drive because his name was on the, on the contract, fell asleep. And this van at 75, maybe more, miles an hour just starts fishtailing, couldn't get control of it, it hit the median, the thing flipped over three times as it rolled into the center of the highway and landed on its wheels. There is a God in heaven because all 10 of my friends walked out of that van. Yeah, God. But we all agreed after that accident that this was probably not the best idea. To, to, to operate a piece of heavy machinery when you're dead tired and emotionally drained, no good. Let's rest next time. And so it is that God comes to us as his followers and says, hey, guys, hey guys and gals, guys and gals. I don't think he says that to us. Anyway, uh, but he says, hey, y'all, why don't we build this rhythm into your lives where you pause on a weekly basis and where you just try to restore and rejuvenate uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally so that you can go on to what is coming in the next week. Uh, we need rest because weariness erodes our weariness. This past year, we were all forced into a Sabbath. Everybody remember that in March? The whole thing shut down. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I hated preaching to a camera, but I liked having Sunday morning off. That was pretty cool. 
I mean, I actually sat in my, uh, my uh, just like you did, in my living room with my family, and I worshiped God with them, and I listened to myself preach, which was really weird. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but, you know, for the first time in like 30 years of doing this gig, I had Sunday off. It was, it was crazy. Uh, and I enjoyed it. But then, as uh, with so many of us in this room, that, that kind of respite, maybe that little break thing that was the shutdown, uh, generated or, or turned into this uh, angst and fear and, um, uh, uh, you know, just uh, worry over everything that's going on, not just with COVID, but with our culture and with this election and with everything else and what's going on. I mean, and uh, to me, I'm, I'll be glad when 2020 flips the calendar. Who's with me? All right. But to me, all of this, in my 51 years of living, this has been the weirdest year I've ever had in my life. And, and at times, I'll be honest with you, I'm tired. I'm tired of all of it. I'm tired of, uh, you know, having to deal with it. I'm tired of masks and temperature taking. We'll do it because it's, it's the responsible thing. But I'm tired of it all. I want it to go back to some form of normal. Okay. And so it is. Then in the midst of these kinds of extreme times that God says, hey man, that's why I did the Sabbath. So that you could rest and that you could reset and reconnect with the body of Christ and, and be focused on the things that are above the melee that is the world you live in now. Hmm. The Sabbath is not just about rest, it's about resetting, recalibrating, refocusing our stuff, our, our lives on the stuff that matters most. Now, when the COVID first hit, we did a whole series on uh, um, what matters most. Because uh, God matters most. And, and here's what's happened with sin. Sin has made us rebellious against our God. Sin has made us lovers of self. Uh, we are idol makers of other things, money, people, fame, uh, uh, you know, power, whatever. We, we have all, spin the wheel. There's a whole bunch of things that we would rather worship than the God that we were made to worship. And so God creates this Sabbath so that perhaps if we've wandered, if we've trailed off, um, we can come together and be reminded as a body and as individuals as we observe the Sabbath that there is but one true God and that he alone deserves the worship of our lives. I have a cable box that uh, is on the fritz. I won't tell you who my company is because some of you might work for them and you're probably a really nice person. But uh, <laughs> I've just not been pleased overall with, uh, you know, the, the performance of, of the equipment, at least, that this cable company's given me. I'm thinking about switching. Because here's what happens. I, I pay for this DVR thing to work and every time I turn on my DVR, the signal that I've taped, or taped is the wrong word. Anyway, uh, it's all scrambled. And so it'll, I mean, it's not there. It's so frustrating. You've waited all day to watch the football game that you've told everybody else not to tell you the score of, and then you get ready to watch it and you can't even see it. I know, right? What a horrible problem. Do <sighs> you know how I fix it, though? Here's how I fix it. I go up behind the TV and I take the cord that is plugged into the wall. That's the, uh, the whole strip that everything in my TV and everything is. And I just yank it out of the wall. I recognize there's probably an easier way to do this. Don't email me. It's just working for me, okay? I pull that cord out. I plug it back in. And what it does is it resets the box. And the box goes through all of its. Because this is what happens with our electronics. They gum up. I don't understand it. I'm not a computer scientist. But they, they, they kind of get gummed up. And you've got to reboot, Right? And there it is, your Sabbath. You and I get gummed up with all kinds of stupid stuff that we give our worship to. 
And God says, hey, you know what? Every day, I want, you to give you, I want you to give me your full worship. But in case that stops, I want there to be this one day where you know it's coming. You're going to hang out with the rest of the body of Christ. You're going to be in my word. You're going to pray to me. You're going to connect with me. And you're going to remember, oh, yeah, my worship is for him and him alone. Hmm. The rest of uh, the commandment kind of flows like this. It says in verse 9, six days you shall labor and do all your work. This is kind of sneaky, but uh, in this commandment, God intones that we were created to work. And some of you are like, yeah, I know. I hate my job. I hate work. And I know work is the result of sin because you go to Genesis chapter 3 and you read that Adam's you know, consequence for sin was you're going to have to toil, you're going to have to labor. Ugh. But you forget to read the chapter before where God, before sin ever comes into the world, fashions out of dirt this creature in his image, calls it man, and then he plops him in the garden. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to work. I want you to keep it, and I want you to cultivate it. Hard work, that's the result of the fall. Things failing in work, imperfection in work, that's the result of the fall. Work, that was pre-sin. That was God's idea all along. And so it is that you and I work. We were created by God, a working God, a productive God, to be working image bearers. Now, some of you are like, do I have to keep working until I die? No, you can retire. But listen, everybody close to retirement or currently in retirement, that doesn't mean your retirement's all about you. You're like, but I worked all those years so that I could get to this part where I just did me. Okay, yeah, enjoy it. Every day is a Saturday. Have fun. But use these years, use all of your life to produce for the glory of God and the benefit, betterment of the people that he has created. You don't have to get paid for it. You don't have to clock in. But you have been given this one life from zero until it's over to make much of God and to work for him, through him, by his strength so that he gets the glory he deserves and the people around you benefit from your existence. It goes on, it says, but the, you, you, you know, you're, for six days you're going to work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. And then he, he pops the list. Seven people. Not you, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock. He goes to the barn. Or the sojourner who is at your gates. And what he's saying in this is, listen, don't just be a Sabbath keeper yourselves. Be a Sabbath promoter amongst those who live around you. Maybe he thought the Jewish men would hear this and be like, cool, I'll make my kids do the jobs. Or great, I'll make my servants work on the Sabbath. I won't, but they will. And he's like, no, no, this isn't all y'all. Nobody, even the people who are outside of uh, my, my nation, my chosen ones, the sojourners from another land, you show them the importance of, of me in your life by keeping the Sabbath and, and helping them keep it too. Chick-fil-A does this every Sunday. Because they don't open their stores. And, and there's probably lots of people at Chick-fil-A who don't believe in the God that, you know, Chick-fil-A shuts down for. But nobody's going to eat chicken from Chick-fil-A today. Some of you get mad, too, because you forget, don't you? And you drive up there. <laughs> You're like, oh. Hmm. Verse 11 says this, for in six days, again, reminding us of creation. In six days, the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that's in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, listen to me. If you don't hear anything else that I've said about the Sabbath, how it benefits us because we need rest, how it allows us to recalibrate and reset ourselves on the one true God and our worship of him. 
Just understand this. Can we all agree as those made by God that he intended us as his image bearers to be like him? Is everybody with me on that? So as God issues this command here in these 10 words, he says, listen, I'm asking you to do this because this is what God himself, what I myself has done as a template for you, this rhythm that you're meant to live by in life. I created in six days and on the seventh day I rested. He didn't rest because he was tired. Does everybody get that God does not get tired? He rested because he did what he himself does for himself above all things. He himself created all it is, you and me included, so that he might receive the glory that he is due. His glory is chief among his aims. And so as he creates everything that it is, including humanity, he pauses at the end of that creation on the seventh day and he just kind of looks back and goes, look what we did, Father, Son, and Spirit. Look at this amazing thing. And so he wants us who bear his image to pause once a week and look back or step back and say, look what God did. Look at his creation. Sure, I need rest. Sure, I need to reset. But just let me be in awe for a moment. I don't know about you, but I can kind of get my head down and I can just forget that there is a God sometimes or that he matters as much as he does. And I can just kind of keep going. But God says, no, 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 let's pause. Just like I did. Let's just look around and say, man, this is God. Good. What God has done. God doesn't get tired, but he knew he would. So he wanted us to pause and get our rest. Uh, Let me kind of give you some principles as we finish this morning. Uh, I'm not going to be a strict Sabbatarian. That, that means I'm not going to say you got to, you know, from sundown Saturday night to sundown Sunday night, you stop everything. I think, uh, w- you know, ceasing what you're doing can look different for people. I read this this week as I studied on this subject. Um, one guy actually posited this. He said, listen, if you spend your whole week sitting at a desk, not moving, maybe the Sabbath for you is to take a run because it's a pause from what your norm is. Go get your exercise. Do the things that replenish and and restore you. Find your rest. Reset your worship calibration. But, but, I mean, I'm not going to tell you this, this, not this, this, not this. You have to, by the Spirit, determine those things for yourself. I I was taught growing up, grab Sabbath. I work on Sundays. I got to find Sabbath on other days. But here are the things that should happen on a weekly basis whenever we determine that God wants us to uh, uh, honor him in the Sabbath. We need, I think, to be around the people of God. You're doing that right now. If you're sitting in this room, you're watching online, kind of around people. But anyway, uh, um, we we need to connect. Like it says in Hebrews, don't forsake the gathering together of one another. Be in each other's presence so you can spur each other on. We need to get spurred, right? So attend a service. Be with the people of God. Read your Bible. Certainly do that every day. But, you know, take time out. Extra time to just focus in on God when you observe the Sabbath. Connect with your family and other followers. Make them stop too so that you can build into those relationships. Uh, Show mercy and facilitate the the worship of God in the lives of those around you. And one of the favorite things that we do here as a church uh, is on a a Sabbath or on a Sunday is feed the bay. I love that we kind of stop church early and we go to the grocery stores and we show the world around us that the church is not just this come to a box and everybody circle up and look at themselves. Let's go out there and make a difference in the world that we can make a difference in. What a great use of the Sabbath to take church outside the walls, right? 
There could be other things, but I think at the very least, those are the things that God hopes for us to do, to, to stop, to rest, to reset, to connect, uh, to, to, to just remember him. But let me leave you with this. A little bit later in the, in the Bible, a couple books away from uh, Exodus, there's this book called Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy is this word that means second law. It's basically a reiteration of the laws that we read in Exodus. And in Deuteronomy, it comes to this law, the Sabbath law. And this is how Moses writes about it in chapter 5, verse 15. He says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And if you're kind of just reading along in the Bible, you're like, wait a minute, I thought the Sabbath day was about creation and reflecting on God and his creation and it came from creation and creation, creation, creation. No, no. The Sabbath day is also a day where we reflect on God's redemption. When Moses wrote to the Israelites, he says, hey man, the Sabbath is to recall your emancipation from slavery. Use that day to celebrate what God's done for you and you couldn't do for yourself. So is it any wonder that when we get to the New Testament, Jesus says, I'm taking that, Dad. That's some good stuff. And when he talks about the good news that he came to give us, that so many of us in, in this room and online are, are, are benefactors of, recipients of the grace of God through our faith in what Christ did on the cross, we have re-entered his rest. He, he wrote about it this way. He says this as he's uh, talking to a crowd in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, say it with me, rest, Sabbath. Take my yoke upon me, verse 29, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls. See, picture it this way. God creates heavens and earth, humanity, six days. On the seventh, he rests. From that day seven until the day sin came into the world, there was perfect rest. But sin disrupted that rest. It's like that alarm going off in your world in the mornings. And it brought into this world strife and separation and, and condemnation. But then God sent his only son so that he could invite us back into the rest we were always meant to be experiencing in life with God. He says, come on, man. Put your faith in me and I will give you rest. I'll set you free. Just like my father set the Israelites free from slavery in Egypt, I will set you free from the slavery you've been existing in because of sin. And I'll give you life. In Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews uh, is, is talking to a bunch of people who are considering leaving their faith, jettisoning this rest that they've achieved or been given in Christ and, and going back to the old ways of the Jewish faith. And he says, oh, you guys, we've been getting so great at salvation. Why would you ever leave? What are you talking about? In chapter four, he writes this. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for us, for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. See, if you've found faith in Christ, you've, you've, you've relented from trying to achieve righteousness on your own, which you'll never be able to do, and you've just rested in what Jesus has done for you. So this is how I want to end. Once a week, we get a chance 
to make much of our God. We should every day, but on once a week, we get this special day, this, this, this rhythm that he has set in place for us to rest and to reset and refocus ourselves on him. Let's take advantage of it, not dread it. Let's embrace it. And the good that it brings us and the glory that it brings to our God. When we pause for the Sabbath, let's be awed by what he's done in creation. And when we pause for the Sabbath, let's be amazed by what he's done for us in his redemption. We've been set free and given life anew. That's what the Sabbath is about. Rest, reset, rejoice. Because things are going to get hard again. They're kind of hard right now for some of us. When oceans rise, we find our rest in our King. Will you stand and sing with me?